Can a hidden item in your house be the cause of everything that's going wrong? And then we travel to South Africa to take a look at a truly bizarre ghost story that will have you asking the question, is it possible that ghosts only appear in front of certain ethnic groups? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. I'm going to go see Expendables 4. That's my goal. I don't even know if it's playing nearby. I should probably check before I dress up like one of the guys. I don't know any of the characters' names. I've seen them all in the theater at this point. Um, but seen all previous three, but we're ready to go the fourth time. Expendables 4. I can't wait. <laughs> you hear the enthusiasm in my voice. I actually do really want to see it. I don't have the highest of hopes. But someone who I always have high hopes for walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is the last of our live stream contributors. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Komau Kokai Taylor. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> Walk on in! Walk on in, Kamau. Dancing on into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. I think you already got a shout out a couple years ago. This was from a list of live stream contributors I found from like 2020. But I wanted to do my due diligence three years later after the live stream. I wanted to make sure you got your shout out. So Kamau, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. I truly do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so, so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. You can also vote for us over at the Paranormality Magazine, Paranormal Podcast of the Month. You can vote up to three times a month. We've been number one for a while now, so I know you guys are going out and voting for that. Really, really appreciate that. Kamal, let's go ahead and get things started. I'm going to toss you... The keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. Jumping over all the sandy dunes between here and there. We don't have a specific location for this story. But um, we do have a date, July 17th, 2023, so a fairly recent story. We're about to meet this young man. We're going to name him Mario. Mario, he proclaims that 2023, up until at least July, 2023 was, quote, the worst year for my family ever. It's a pretty bold claim, if you think about it. I mean, your family's probably existed for... I don't know, 100,000 years at this point. They've survived ice ages, famines, the Black Plague, sailing over the Atlantic. I don't know where this guy's from. I don't know. Well, I guess everyone eventually came over the Atlantic or the Bering Ice Bridge. Like, I don't even know if this story takes place in America either. But my point is, is that if somebody says, Jason, <laughs> if somebody says this is the worst year for my family ever, they don't mean since the dawn of time. They don't mean like, well, I remember us evolving out of the oceans. That was quite difficult for my family. They mean, you, you numbskull, they mean recent human memory. If someone goes, this is the worst day ever. You can't go, I don't know. Remember those four ice ages your ancestors had? <laughs> That's what they mean. That's what they mean. Okay, so in recent human memory, since, we'll say since the early 1900s till now, this is the worst year for Mario's family. He said four people had passed away in his family, including Grandma. That's always the worst, right? Grandma's dying is the worst. His grandma died just two days before he posted this online. She died on... Well, she died a couple days before that. The funeral was July 15th, 2023. Standing over Grandma's grave. She's being lowered into the cold embrace of the earth. And Mario's like, this is the worst year our family has ever had. We've had all these people die. Now I'm watching my grandma get buried. It just sucks. Totally sucks. Well, 
I guess, like, Grandma's grave wasn't well-maintained, or they just wanted to clean some stuff up around Grandma's grave. I'm assuming she's buried in a cemetery. I don't think she was buried in the backyard. But maybe they just wanted to tidy it up for her. Maybe they wanted to make sure that her eternal resting place looked kind of nice. So they go, let's go back home, and we're going to get our hoe, and we're going to, like, tidy up the grass around Grandma's grave. So they go out to the shed. To go get the hoe. And there is a hoe in the shed. But it's not their hoe. Mario and mom and dad are in the shed and they're looking at this hoe. And it's not theirs. It's not the one that they've always had in there. It's not the one that they've used multiple times. It's a hoe for sure. But Mario said it had a different blade. That's like the metal top piece to the hoe. It had a different blade, different handle, like the long wooden part you hold on to. He goes, and it was in really, really bad condition. Now, our hoe, this is not the hoe that we've had all this time. This is a different hoe. And he said, as we started to look at it, we realized this is not ours, and it's not one that we borrowed from one of our neighbors, either. The hoe that they know that they have is missing. It's nowhere to be seen in the shed. All that they have is this busted old, different hoe. But this isn't a story about the Mandela Effect. When they're looking at this gardening tool, they start to feel like it may be cursed. That somebody, who they they have no idea who would have done this or why, but somebody took their old hoe and replaced it with a cursed hoe. And they left it in the shed for who knows how long. But this may be why this is the worst year they've ever had. Because they had a cursed object in their possession. And Mario said we ended up throwing the hoe away. It's a weird story, right? This is one of those stories where it's very easy to say it's just a coincidence. People can have a run of bad luck. Families can have a run of bad luck. You can't necessarily say it was the hoe. There's no proof that the hoe did anything. They can't even definitively say everything was going fine. This hoe showed up in January 2023, and we've had bad luck ever since. They just discovered that the hoe was replaced. They 100% know that this is not something they had possession of. But they don't know when they got possession of it. So they couldn't definitively say this is the cause of the curse. But they kind of come to agreement that because this is not theirs, yet it is in their possession, they have this run of bad luck. It's possible that this is cursed. The best option is to get rid of it. It could be a coincidence. It could 100% be a coincidence. Families tend to die off. We see this happen all the time. It sucks, right? I've seen that happen in my own family. The generation, I'm starting to see friends that I went to college with not die, but start to be diagnosed with pretty serious illnesses because we are all getting up there in age. If everyone's in their 20s and four people die in a year, that is crazy. That is a streak of really, really bad luck. It Unless, you know, they're all mowed down in a single car accident or some serial killer takes them out one by one in a cabin If they just die randomly, but within a small period of time, that is odd. That would be very odd, and it would seem like bad luck is striking your friends down. But as much as I love grandmas, they're pretty old, right? I do love grandmas, but they're old, and they're going to pass away. I'm not really for sure who the other people were who passed away in the family, but... Families get older and they start to pass away either by accident or natural causes or accidents that lead to natural causes, right? When you're 70 and you break your hip, ugh, you know what I mean? Like, the, I don't know what the coroner's going to put on your death certificate. It, you did die of a broken hip, but it may be two years later and you just, you just, your health just completely plummets because you're not as mobile as you used to be. 
Uh, you can you can tank a broken hip when you're in your twenties. <laughs> Jason, you made that claim four hundred episodes ago. You know it's not true. A broken hip in a twenty-year-old is just as bad. Well, but you know what I'm saying. However, so it could be that this item was cursed. I will tell you this story. I I mentioned it vaguely, probably about a hundred episodes ago. I I made an offhand comment to it, and I didn't feel comfortable talking about it at the time. But, but one time I was walking down the street from my job and I saw a basketball. You guys remember this? I mentioned a cursed basketball quite, quite a few episodes ago. I was walking down the street and there was a basketball sitting on the sidewalk. And I picked it up. I was like, oh, f- sweet, free basketball. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I will add that. <laughs> You can you can argue that I did not find a basketball, that I stole the basketball, because while it was on the sidewalk, it was directly outside of someone's house, right in their driveway. <laughs> There's a kid playing with it, and he misses his shot, and I was like, ooh, free ball, and I grab it, and I run away. I took this basketball that I saw sitting outside of a house. I stole it. I mean, let's be honest, I stole someone's basketball. But it wasn't, it's on city property, right? It was two inches off of their driveway at city property. So I took the basketball home. And I don't have a basketball hoop, right? I don't have anywhere. What am I going to do with the basketball? I'd love to just sit and shoot hoops, right? I'm a terrible basketball player, but I like shooting hoops. I like just practicing for no real game. I can't play basketball, like, legally. They wouldn't let me play in middle school because I was too violent. I was literally a brick wall. I was about a foot wider than every other kid. And I foul constantly. On purpose. I know the rules. I know. I knew the rules. I didn't care. They won't let me play basketball. Anyways. So I just was shoe hoops and stuff like that. But So I took the basketball home. And I remember thinking... Because you got to follow your guts. You got to follow your gut instinct, not your guts. You got to follow your gut instinct sometimes. And I remember thinking, that would suck if this basketball was cursed. That would really suck. I don't know why. And here's the thing. I pick up stuff off the ground all the time. I'm not a hoarder by any means. I go through pretty regular purges of my stuff. Like I'll just take a bunch of clothes down to Goodwill or I'll get rid of a ton of books. If I haven't read the book or I haven't opened it in a year, it's gone. That's kind of kind of how I roll. So I'll pick up stuff as I'm walking home. A lot of it's little things. Like uh, I, for a while, I was finding all these glass beads everywhere. So I have this little tiny like spam can full of glass beads. That's it. Thought it was kind of cool. It felt neat. I like picking stuff up. Sometimes I'll take home stuffed animals that I find in the street. Right? I have this little elf on a shelf that has Jose written on it. I'm sure there's a real kid who named Jose out there. He's like, what? Where'd my elf on the shelf go? My personalized elf on the shelf, where could it possibly have gone? What else? I think, um, turning around, I have a Raichu Pokemon. Oh, and I also have, for some reason, a Tarzan. I have a stuffed Tarzan. You're like, Jason, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just named three stuffed animals. You found on the road? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? So I'll pick up stuff from time to time. Sticks. Really cool sticks I'll bring home. And I've never picked up this stuffed Tarzan or a Jose personalized elf on the shelf and thought, hmm, I wonder if this is cursed. But I had this basketball and I brought it home and I I remember thinking, dude, that would suck if this was cursed. And I put it in the corner of my place. And then the next day I went to work, my boss was like, we're totally changing your job or giving you a brand new assignment. And you can't do anything about it. And it's, I didn't want to do it. I totally didn't want to do it. It totally blindsided me. And I remember thinking, the basketball. The reason why this is happening to me is because of this basketball. I'm not the right person for this position. I know why they want me to do it, but I'm not 
the right person for this, and I don't want to do it. I I don't think it'll be edifying for me. I don't think it'll be edifying for anybody involved in this. I don't want to do it. And I remember thinking, like, I have to figure out a way to get out of this. And possibly if I can't quit my job and, and move on to another place. I remember, like, fully thinking, like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Because I, I, I go by the Peter Principle, right? The Peter Principle is something that is 100% true. I see it happen all the time. You're promoted. Technically, I guess it would have been a promotion, yeah. You're promoted to your highest level of incompetence. So if you're a really good salesman, someone goes, you know what? You'd be a really good department manager. But you're you're an okay department manager. You get the job done. You're overseeing a bunch of other salesmen, but you were a better salesman than you were a department manager. And you do that for a while, and then there's an opening for a store manager, and you go, oh, I want to do that. And you're an average store manager. You're a good department manager, a great salesman. You're an average store manager, and now it's time for a district manager. And you go for that position, and you suck. You're terrible at it. You can't do it at all, and you get fired. It's called the Peter Principle. We see it a lot in business and private sectors. People get promoted to their highest level of incompetence, and then they get fired. And that that's, I think, what would have happened here. I, it wouldn't have been a good move for anybody. But the whole time when I was trying to think, like, this isn't going to work. This is not a good plan for anybody involved in this organization. I, in the back of my head, thought, that's stupid basketball. There is no way any of this would have happened had I not brought home that basketball. So what I did, because I was like, I have a couple options with this basketball. I can destroy it. With, I don't know, maybe a genie maybe a genie will fly out. I don't actually think a genie would fly out. But I did think, if I destroy this, I might make things worse. So what do you do? What do you do with a cursed basketball? You don't want to destroy it. You don't want to throw it away. May or may not have been cursed. Right? You could have just been <laughs> imagination, and I'm saying that so this next part doesn't make me seem too maniacal. I had this basketball. I was like, I don't want it. I think it's cursed. I had a feeling it was cursed. That thought popped in my head. Now all this stuff's happening at work, and it's not going to work out for me. I'm going to have to get a new job. But I don't want this position. So I've got to get rid of the basketball. Because in Hood River, there's a lot of schools. <laughs> There's a lot of schools around here. I threw the basketball <laughs> over a school fence and went about my merry way. And I ended up not having to do that position. They brought someone else in to do it, and, and it worked out as best as it could. But I knew full well I had to get rid of that basketball first. Not destroy it, but I knew that I had to remove it. It was cursed in that way. Now, you may think I'm a monster for throwing the curse into a school, but 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 let me let me say this. It's very possible, however, that the basketball wanted to be at the school. It wanted to be not cursed and little grubby hands touching it all the time. I don't know. Okay? Okay, don't blame me. I didn't want to destroy it. I didn't want to throw it away. Somebody's probably dribbling that ball right now somewhere, having a grand old time, and that curse has not been transferred. But I remember thinking there's something wrong with this basketball. I also remember, I think, this whole saga took like a week from the time that I got the basketball to the job change, and then I think my rent went up too. Like, it was weird. It wasn't just the job. If I remember correctly, the rent, either the rent went up or I got a notification that my rent was going to go up in a couple months. It was something like that. So I don't think my rent took place, the increase took place right then, but it was like a notification, hey, we're going to raise your rent in July or whatever it was. This was a while back. This was back during the winter when I had this cursed basketball. So it's funny because I've gone on the record multiple times. I don't really believe in curses, but there's always this caveat. A lot of times I say that, and what I mean is I don't believe that another human can curse me. I've had multiple people cast curses on me throughout my life on because doing the show I've had people email me curses and stuff curse me and I've had it done in my personal life as well where people have cursed me to my face and it never works 
But you'll also notice, like this week, we had a cursed episode. I think that something might have had some, this basketball might have had some malignant energy. I felt, honestly, when I walked by and picked the ball up, I felt like the people in the house didn't want that basketball. Because while I do take stuff, I generally don't, I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. It wasn't like I saw some kids playing basketball in a world on the sidewalk and I ran away with it. Like, I remember seeing that basketball and I remember thinking, they don't want it here. It's very odd. And I don't, I believe that you can have cursed items. I believe items can be cursed, but I don't believe other humans can curse me. And I would argue, I don't think other humans can curse you either. I don't think it's that I have some sort of superpower. I think a lot of times people will curse you and then you'll look for the bad luck in your life. That's why I don't even read those emails. I'll start, they'll be like, by the eye of Agamemnon, you have, I'm not even going to finish reading it. Right? What's the point? What's the point? I'm all flown around the room. Ah, it's like if I want to get gravity back on, I have to finish reading the email, but I can't reach the keyboard. I don't believe that people can curse other people. I believe that you can believe that they can curse you and then the curses work. But I am more like items can be cursed, stories can be cursed, humans cursing you or me. I think it's hogwash. But that, I think, and this is a great segue for our next story. Kamal Kokai Taylor, let's go ahead and touch the keys of the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this shed. They got a new hoe, apparently. Hopefully this year ends off better for them than it began. Was it the hoe? We don't know. But it might have been. Objects, I do believe, can be cursed. Kamal, let's go ahead and touch the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this shed. Fly us all the way out to South Africa. It's kind of going off what I was saying about, like, cultures, right? Like, the culture you're raised in. Catholicism, because I went to a private Catholic school as a child. Catholicism has a lot of the saints and the icons and the rituals that can help protect you, that can help give you peace to your heart or, or be some sort of actual spiritual protection from external dark forces. Southern Baptists don't have none of that. We didn't have none of that. You would hear people talk about the armor of God, and I was like, what, dude, that sounds so awesome, dude. Like, the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of truth. And then I found out it was a metaphor, and I was super disappointed. I was like, what, we don't get superpowers? Where do all of my Catholic buddies... Why are they able to just, like, do stuff and bad stuff doesn't happen to them? Kind of going off that thing, right? Different cultures have different views of what a curse is. I think if you grew up in New Orleans, surrounded by the stories of hoodoo, probably would be more cautious of curses. I think people in the Middle Ages would be more cautious of getting the evil eye put on them. You know, rural communities more superstitious communities, I think you'd be the outlier if you said curses don't work. But growing up in the 80s in California, if you thought curses worked, you were an outcast. You're like, well, that's old world. Of course that stuff doesn't work. That's just weird. And so that's a cultural thing. But this story is kind of on the same route. But if this story is true, it really opens up some super interesting avenues for what is the world of the paranormal. This is a bizarre story. It takes place in the 1970s. We're in South Africa. We're about to meet this British dude. We don't have his real name. We're going to call him Charlie. And Charlie is working in South Africa as a film distributor. What he does is he drives around to the local theaters. He does this all over the country of South Africa. He drives around with a bunch of films in his truck. And he distributes them to the theaters. It's kind of what the job sounds like. He also does smaller screenings in more remote areas as well. He's kind of taking them everywhere all over the country. During one particular journey, so he's driving out to this more remote area, it's starting to get dark. And he decides, you know what, I'm going to try to see if I can find a place to stay. There's no hotels out here, but, you know, maybe someone can rent a room to me for the night. And as he's driving down this road, he sees a farmhouse and he goes, that's perfect. I'll just see if maybe I can rent out the barn, rent out a room, nice place to sleep. I'll continue my journey tomorrow. So he goes up, knocks on the door, and this woman in this long white gown answers the door. 
Well, hello, ma'am, Charlie says. I was wondering if I could bother you to rent a room out for the night. And the lady goes, you know what? That's super interesting. Yes. I guess I should say that first before I go on this long-winded story. Yes, you can. This actually is a and b If you're going to stop anywhere in town, this is, well, not in town. If you're going to stop, if you were going to stop anywhere along this road, this is the perfect spot. It's a bed and breakfast. Charlie goes back, gets his stuff out of the car, comes in to the B&B, and the woman is showing him around, just kind of like a basic little tour of the downstairs area as they make their way to a, like, reception area. What's that thing called? Like, the clerk's office. She has a little counter set up where she can take his name down and the, the registry and all that stuff. But as they're walking through the house, Charlie's looking around, and there's a bunch of photos lining the walls of boars. Now, not uh, the animal, not the big old animal with the tusks. The boar was basically a militia fighter in South African history. These guys were a bunch of Dutch settlers in South Africa who decided to form their own militia. And the Boers did not like the British, to put it mildly. There was quite a few conflicts between the two. And two wars between the local Boers, that's what they called themselves, the Boer Commandos. Uh, That's where we get the word commando from military term commando it comes from these guys so that should tell you the type of tactics the type of fighting they were into you had the south african militia of dutch settlers known as the boers they fought against great britain multiple times in two wars particularly one in the late 1800s and then one in the early 1900s and eventually great britain shut it down they were like nope we're not dealing with this anymore and they defeated them in that second war It's not something that if you were a British guy and you walked into a house, it's not something that you would want to see, I guess. You want to just get some sleep. You don't want to see a bunch of photos of people who killed your country then. Whether or not it was seven decades ago, it would be a little weird. But you're in South Africa. What are you going to do? You can't go and rearrange all all their paintings, all their portraits. Well, he's writing down his name in the book, and the lady at the farmhouse, the B&B, says, Hmm, I'll put you in the blue room. And Charlie goes, I thought that was a little specific. Like, that was weird. Like, you didn't see any other guests here. As far as he knows, she's the only other person there. I would be super suspicious if you knocked on a random house and said, Can I rent a room? And they said, Yes, we're actually a fully functional B&B. I would assume it was some sort of saw trap. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, what if he had shown up and goes, oh, I need to run this experiment real quick. I have all these beakers in my car and they're about to explode. And they go, well, you're in luck. This actually happens to be a scientific laboratory. It's almost too good to be true. And he thought that was weird that she seemed very specific, the blue room. Like, no other rooms are checked out. But maybe it's the nicest room. I don't know. So he goes into the room. It's a very large room, yet cozy room. And Charlie throws all the stuff down, crawls into bed, falls asleep. Between 2 and 3 in the morning, Charlie's deep asleep, but he hears a noise that instantly wakes him up. He stares into the darkness of his room, but he can clearly see standing at the foot of his bed A Boer soldier holding a rifle with the long bayonet on the end of it. And this phantom of this Boer soldier is impaling a British soldier with the bayonet, sticking it right through his guts. The look of fear and anguish on the British soldier's face. The look of fury and resolve on the face of the Boer militiaman. He clearly sees this image of this British dude getting stuck through the guts with this bayonet. And then he's alone in the bedroom. 
It's an image for a second. And then they disappear. Charlie didn't sleep the rest of the night. Charlie just <laughs> laid in his bed. Partially probably staying away from adrenaline. I mean, even for a haunting, this is a very violent image. You're basically seeing a man getting killed. Like, we know ghosts come from dead bodies, but very rarely is the death the mechanism of you seeing the ghost. Or, I mean, like, what is this? Because then you have a living guy. He's not dead. The one impaling the soldier. I don't know if this specter was in motion. I don't know if you actually saw the two hands on the rifle as it sticks the bayonet in. I don't know if it was like a photograph. If it was a still moment in time where you actually saw the two bodies collide. Metal tear through flesh. Was it animated? Was it a still image? The description isn't clear. I would imagine there's some movement involved, but, you know, I wasn't there. Anyways, Charlie said he didn't sleep the rest of the night, probably partially from adrenaline, partially from fear. The next morning, though, he does get up out of bed, and when he comes out into the main area, the woman asks, the you know, the hostess, the person who owns this place, asks him, how did you sleep? And Charlie goes, well, I slept really well until about two in the morning, and then something strange happened. And the woman just replies, quote, You saw it too, didn't you? And Charlie's just staring at this woman and she explains, she goes, I knew from your accent that you were uh, Renecki, which is a, a Boer word for British. So she was a Dutch settler. I'm sure if I'm sure if he had looked at her feet wearing those little wooden clogs, she probably had a Dutch accent. Um, but or maybe not. But she said, I knew from your accent that you were British using the Boer word for British, uh, Renecki or Ruinek. And she said, because of that, because I knew you were British, I gave you that room. And Charlie left. He ended up leaving the B&B. He didn't stick around for the Continental Breakfast. He left and he never uh, went there again. He never went to that location. It's an interesting story. It was posted online, not by Charlie, but by Charlie's grandchild. So he was telling the story that his, his what had happened to his grandfather. And it was posted online by someone going by the name of Edgy Reggie. Edgy Reggie posted it on there. So what, th this is what I'm thinking. To wrap up this week, which has been a weird week of episodes, to be honest. We've covered some pretty bizarre stuff. Which is good, right? I'm not complaining. That's kind of the point of the show. But even for normal Dead Rabbit Radio stuff, we started off with a cursed episode and here, we're going to end with a theory that you might disagree with. Because this all hangs on just a few words. And it's so funny because when I read this story, I go, wow, very interesting. But as I was recording it, I thought, well, I still think it's interesting. But as I was recording it, I thought, Jason, did you read too much into this? So I'm really curious to see what you guys think because I might be totally off the mark I mean, it's a perfect way to end the nicotine withdrawal week of dead rabbit radio to wrap it up this is my thing when she said you saw it too there's two different ways to read that and the way that i read it the first time you saw it too i believe the name we were using was charlie for the film distributor the british dude but you saw it too. The way that I read it initially, and I, you know, I read the story a couple times, but every time I read it, I thought the reason why he saw it was because he was British. 
And that's the reason why she put him in the room. I don't know why I read it like that, but that's the way I read it each time when I was recording it. I thought that might that not be might, might not be accurate. <laughs> Just be oh, you saw the ghost too. Like every other person who's rented that room, you saw it too, because she doesn't elaborate. She doesn't. It's not that she states that she saw it. And I'm assuming she is Dutch because she has all, all those pictures of Boar, the Boars, the Boar commandos in the room, in the house. You know, I don't, I don't think you would be having the rebel force. I don't think Lincoln had his bedroom adorned with photos of Confederate generals. She had all these photos of Boars. I believe she was Dutch. Now, if she didn't say, I saw a ghost. She didn't say, oh, yes, I put you in that room because I wanted you to see one of your countrymen being brutally stabbed by one of my ancestors. No, the way that she framed it, and this is the thing, you can totally disagree. You go, Jason, you're reading too much into it, but this is what my thought pattern was. When she said, you saw it too, I read that as the reason why he saw it was because he was British. But Jason, that does nothing. Hold on, hold on. So let's just assume I'm right. Let's just assume that I'm right on that first. Let's throw on our conspiracy caps here. That would actually explain something about ghosts. And this is something that paranormal investigators always struggle with. Is if the paranormal is a real phenomenon, which a lot of us believe that it is, why don't more people see it? Everybody on the planet can experience gravity. Everyone on the planet can experience light. Even if you're blind, you can feel the warmth of the sun on your skin. There are certain things that everybody can experience. Even if you're deaf, you can still feel sound waves pressing against you. <laughs> you're pretty close to this. Maybe that's why you're deaf. Because you're so close to the speakers at that Motley Crue concert. But you know what I mean? The phenomenon like that. If I walk up and punch you, you're going to feel it. Even if all your nerve endings are severed, you're going to be kind of pushed a bit as I punch you. But paranormal phenomenon is not like that. And that's part of the problem. I mean, it's it's actually... it would Think about how horrifying the world would be is... If every, you saw every dead person, like it would actually not be a fun place to live in. You would like to see your relatives floating around all Casper style. But imagine if everyone who ever died <laughs> since the beginning of time was still hanging out. It would be nice because you'd be like, oh, I'm not so worried about death anymore. But it would also be absolutely terrifying. And even if well, there was only ghosts hanging around for, say, the past two, three hundred years, which seems to be that I think I, we talked about this before. The oldest ghosts on record are Roman centurions, which we can play in Britain. So we can place them around like 600 A.D. So even if 1400 years, if everyone who died in the past 1400 years was still hanging out, the world would be a chaotic and spooky place. Because even you could go, Jason, well, if we saw them all the time, then maybe we'd be used to them. Uh, maybe, but I mean, like, imagine if you saw a porcupine every day. Every day you went to work, there was a porcupine walking by. Like, it's still unsettling, right? Because they're kind of like, you don't want to be near them. They might shoot their quills at you. Or if they can't do that, if cartoons had lied to me, they could just, like, you know, pop your tires. Or just walk up while you're working and sit on your lap. You wouldn't want to see a porcupine every day. You'd want to see a porcupine every once in a while. At a distance. Or skunks would probably... I don't know why it's going with porcupine. You're like, Jason, a skunk would be a way better example for this. Yeah, thank you. Imagine, we, skunks are real, but you wouldn't want to see them all the time. And you definitely wouldn't want to see every skunk that ever existed for the past 1,400 years floating around. So paranormal phenomenon isn't something that affects everybody. Just every other real science, and I don't real, I, I mean improvable. I do believe in the paranormal, but it, it exists. We know it exists. We can measure it. The world of the paranormal, we can't. And what if that this is the key? What if 
Again, I could totally be off basis. She could have just said, like, oh, you saw it too? Everyone sees a ghost up there. For whatever reason, I read it as, you saw it too because you were British. <laughs> I added those extra words and built an entire episode around it. And it, as I was recording it, I was thinking, oh, I don't really know. I don't really think she meant that. But anyways, conspiracy cap fully on. This would explain why not everybody sees ghosts. And it could be, it's weird, it's a weird quirk, but what if it is, what if it has something to do with your ethnic background? And that kind of goes into the last part where we were talking about curses and cursed objects. There are cultures that completely believe that you can curse somebody with the evil eye, or you can curse somebody with voodoo. You can curse somebody... And I, it's also interesting to think, we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, just kind of in passing. I read a lot of stories about people who follow the Islamic faith encountering jinn. And then I read stories about not only Christians and Catholics, but people who are raised in Western cultures encountering demons. And they're described completely differently. And they're dealt with completely differently. And that shouldn't be the case. If you are an Islamic family, but you are third generation American. The story that I'll find online is dealing with a jinn, And not taking food from a stranger or staying away from gifts that you find around your house that was an episode we did i have one coming up about food coming from a stranger but um we did one recently about the it was a family in britain it was in it was a muslim family in britain and they were dealing with a jinn but two doors down you could have a catholic family dealing with a demon and you have to deal with them in different ways why I think that the easy answer is, no, 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 jinns are demons, but that's not the case. Like, when we look at how, it would basically be the difference between a werewolf and a vampire. Sure, they're both something you don't want to have in your sphere, like a, like a skunk. But you deal with them in two completely different ways. So why? Why is that? Why don't we see a family that is Southern Baptist and they're being tormented by a jinn, and they've tried everything to get rid of it. They've had their local minister come out to try to Southern Baptists don't really believe they believe in demons, but they don't do any of like the blessing stuff. There is a little bit of exorcism in there, but it's not as refined as Catholicism, but you have your, your Southern Baptist minister comes out to your house, praying over it, trying to get it out of there. They probably would they probably would end up calling a Catholic priest to come in and help. And they would try to do all this stuff and it's not it's not happening. At what point do you go, well, maybe we should contact an Amon? Maybe we should contact a cleric to come from the local mosque to take care of this. And and he shows up and he's like, Oh, stop eating all those apples that your neighbor's giving you. I bet your neighbor's cursing you. And then it goes away. We never, ever, ever see stories like that. Why not? Is it because the world of the paranormal... Originally, I started... I should be clear. Originally, I was talking about ethnic. The Muslim faith and Catholic faith, they're not ethnic. I mean, those are belief systems. So now I've kind of already gone off on my own theory, but... Cultural, I guess would be a better way to put it, rather than just ethnic. Is it possible that your cultural background determines whether or not you can, one, perceive the paranormal, and two, what you perceive? It's a super interesting question if you step back to think about it, even though, I, even though this might not be the right story to piggyback it on. I, I, that might be true. It totally might be, it's cultural based. Because when we look at stories of old Europe, it's always like, oh, they only believed that stuff because they had all these old superstitions. There were no werewolves. There were no vampires. There were no witches. There were none of this stuff going on. But I would argue that some of it was. 
some of it was authentic paranormal activity, but and because the culture completely believed in it, part of that could be a tulpa phenomenon. They're believing in in it so much it's becoming real. But they're tapping into that world of the paranormal, where if you go up to the Nordic areas, maybe they got like elves and gnomes running around and stuff like that. They they probably have like their own version. I know Vikings had like their versions of like the vampire, the dead, the Draeger, whatever they called it, running around. But then you know you get into fairy territory and Iceland has their gnomes or whatever. If you took someone from medieval France and threw them into Iceland, would they experience... They may go up there and not see anything. They may not experience the fairies, the gnomes, nothing, while everyone else is like, dude, you can't build your house there. That's the kingdom of the fairies. They're going to curse you. And you're like, no, I'm building a house here. It's a cool view. And everyone in village is waiting for you to get cursed and nothing happens. Because you're in a... It's so weird to think about it like that. You're in a totally different area. So is it possible that if we went to this bed and breakfast, you know, I'm Basque mostly, but I'm a whole bunch of other things. If I went there, partially British actually, now that I think about it, but if I went to this bed and breakfast, would I see anything? Because I'm not tuned into the energy. I don't really. I had to look up a bunch of stuff about the boars, and I just read a couple of Wikipedia entries and called it a day because I wanted to get to talking about the ghost. I could sleep in that same room. I might. I might notice it because I, you know, pay attention to ghosts and I kind of feel for that energy and all that stuff. But sometimes I'm just sleepy. I might. I. I, I might want to sleep with the light on. I might notice something's off, but I may not see two full-bodied apparitions, which is. Pretty rare. And in this case, this is what we call a recorded haunting. This is just the same action happening over and over and over again. You couldn't interact with these spirits. But is it possible that if someone from Spain went there or someone from North America, Minneapolis or whatever, went to this bed and breakfast, they would just have a good night's sleep? Maybe sense something's off if they're a little into the paranormal, if they're paying attention, but maybe not. But if you're British, you got the accent and everything, you're from Britain, your family was from Britain, and their family was from Britain, you may go in there and see one of your countrymen getting brutally killed right in front of you in the middle of the night. It's a bizarre theory, and I'm really curious. This might be one of those things that I kind of try to connect the pieces to. Because I do have a lot of stories about the Islamic faith and their jinn. I'll put some of those episodes in the show notes. It's They deal with them differently than a Catholic priest would deal with a demon, and it's weird. They're not the same phenomenon. Originally, I thought a jinn was just an Islamic version of a demon. They're, it's basically the difference between... A lion and a tiger. Sure, there seems to be some sort of relation, but completely different patterns, the way they hunt, the way they live, where they exist. So, Is there a component, is there a cultural component that determines whether or not you see the paranormal? And if you do see the paranormal, what you will see, what you will experience. Fascinating fascinating theory and that what a perfect way to wrap up this week i do want to say too because so i'm recording this segment a little bit later than everything else obviously it's the last episode but um i record that cursed episode the first episode of the week um i do think that 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 is a cursed episode like after i edited it and uh, released it and everything like that. I went to bed. I had this habit recently of sleeping with my door open so I can kind of, not my front door, <laughs> not an idiot, but my bedroom door open. I usually have it shut. I've been sleeping with it open so I can keep the place kind of cooler because this, this place has to be cool for me to be able to record an episode. Uh, that was, what was that been? That Sunday night, it was probably around, I was going to bed at midnight and I had the bedroom door open, all the lights are off and I was laying in bed and I felt really for the 
first time. Like, normally I sleep with the bedroom door closed, but I've had it open for probably the past couple weeks. Four or five weeks. Um, I was laying in bed. All the lights were off. I had the light of my phone. And for the first time in weeks, I felt unnerved that my bedroom door is open and I looked to my bedroom door and it's open. So I'm looking in the living room and I felt like something was just out of view and it was about to lean around the door frame. Like something was hiding just where I couldn't see it, and at any moment it was going to poke its... It was just going to lean, right? It was going to lean its body over so I'd be able to see it. So I, I, I do think that episode was cursed. I, I put the cursed warning on that. I will say this, though. In that episode, it was a torso. It was the floating naked torso of a woman. What I felt... And again, this is something that I've never, ever been really worried about. I have a thousand episodes where I'm always making fun of these guys. What and I don't think this was actually in my apartment. But what was super weird is as I was laying in the bedroom and I was looking into the darkness of the living room and I felt like there was something out of view and it was at any moment going to lean around the door frame to make itself visible to me. I felt like it was a gray alien. Not that it was a gray alien, but whatever was there was going to take that form. So that's a really interesting entity, if you think about it, right? It's not an alien, but it, it wanted to appear as an alien. I did not see anything. I continued to look out through the doorway and nothing peeked around the door. Gray alien, torso, slimer, nothing. I didn't see anything. I just felt like there was something there. And I stared and I was kind of waiting for something to happen for, I couldn't say for a fixed amount of time. It wasn't more than maybe a minute or two. And then I just continued to read celebrity gossip on my phone. And I had that feeling the night I released that episode. I edited it. I hit send, put it up online, and then I went to bed. And it was maybe like 20 minutes after that when I had that feeling. So I do think that was a cursed episode. So <laughs> you're like, ah, you're like all floating around, blood shooting out of your ears. You're like, thanks for telling me that now, Jason. Well, I warned you. I didn't call it a cursed episode. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Peace.